Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. Hi, everyone. It's Pastor Dave. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Cecilia. I keep forgetting my name, you know. And we're in room 4216. It's good to be back with you again. It is. I'm glad to be talking. I'm talking. I'm talking. Uh Uh-oh. Last week after the show... I lost my voice. <laughs> that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Oh, ouch! Yeah, uh, that's what my family said, too. But I've got a voice now, everybody! <laughs> and in our first lesson, our segment here, Lesson 38, we have from the Inbox. I always love these messages from our listeners. Let's see what we've got here. Dear Pastor Dave, I listen to the podcast every week. I especially like your co-host. She is extremely intelligent. I heard you say last week that you have a doctorate. I was a bit surprised. I actually thought that of the two of you, she had the doctorate. Her insights, observations, and answers are so delightful. What question which you forgot to answer in the podcast? I'm sure it was a small oversight, and not due to carelessness, lack of attention to detail, or an inability to maintain your focus on the topic at hand. (laughs) Yeah. What business did Satan have being in heaven and presenting himself before God? Doesn't it say elsewhere in the Bible that the devil was thrown out of heaven? So which of these verses am I to believe, and which do I discard as false? Oh, by the way, who does the sound editing? (laughs) There are so many times that it comes off as though a child was doing it, rather inferior for a program that deals with superior topics. Thank you. I I look look forward forward to to your your next next program. program. It's not even signed. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Hate mail usually isn't signed. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She had some pretty valid observations, I mean, about the way you and I interact together. And, uh, well, there was the question, which... which Now, just a second. Hmm? Good observations... You, how can you say that? She was insulting me. She said you had the doctorate, not me. Well, I mean, uh... Hey, did you hear what she said about you? Your sound editing there, oh dear child? Excuse me, I am not a child. And I'll have you know, it takes time to do that sound editing. I guess it takes time to make mistakes? Is that what she's saying? (laughs) Oh, so you think this is funny, do you? Well, what am I supposed to make of it? I mean... Dr. Andrus, 
I presume. Okay there, sissy. <laughs> you call me that again, and I'm walking out of here. Fine. Walk. Please. Run if you will. I don't know what you're talking about. Peter wrote, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Hmm. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Be self-controlled. <clears throat> Be alert. The devil roams around like a roaring lion. <clears throat> He's prowling. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. I love how it says that, standing firm in the faith. The faith that trusts in Jesus, not not our own strength, not our own ability, because we can't. No. And uh, God then will restore and strengthen and establish you. I love it. It's God who does it, not me. Pastor Dave, I ask your forgiveness. I lost my temper, and I was starting to feel a bit smug there with the compliments which really weren't compliments they were lies and so i i really am sorry <laughs> i forgive you and please forgive me i fell into a trap as well being insulted and then insulting back and what did it get us well nowhere nowhere and of course i forgive you thank you thank you but this is how the devil works Oh, he slides in wherever he can to have people puffed up and then pop other people. And then he slides in the lies. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what the question was? Which one do I believe as true and which one do I throw away, discard as false? Well, we know that... That's a false... Yeah. Question. We know that no part of the Bible is false. Exactly. Both are true. And so as we see slightly different words seeming to be opposite, instead of assuming, well, one's right, one's wrong, we have to say, how do these work together? Well, let's answer that. How can the devil be in heaven? Well, God can have anything he wants. And I don't think he was sitting down, cozying up, nestling into God's throne room there. It's probably just on the edge. 
and uh, God sees all things. Yeah, one of the commentaries that we read as we prepared for the study on Job said that maybe uh, God called Satan to an account, kind of like uh, like an audience, like a king might have had, where not only does he have to uh, talk about what he did in front of the king, but in front of the whole council or, or the whole group of uh, angels. Exactly. And really the key here to remember is more than how did he get to heaven and stand in front of God, God put the limits around Satan and said so. You can do this and no further. And that's really the key point here is that uh, we need to focus on is that God is in charge and therefore we can trust God because the devil is at work. And that's really a theme we're going to find throughout this book of Job now, that we can trust God, but don't forget, the devil is at work. last saw Job, he had all his livestock whisked away in a storm, his family whisked away in a storm, everything he had gone, his health gone, covered with sores, discussing death with his wife, and he said he would trust in God. Let's continue then with verse 11 of chapter 2. When Job's three friends... Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him, because they saw how great his suffering was. a couple times being in the hospital feeling so lonely wanting somebody there with me mm. I remember one time uh, when I had surgery mom had to leave very quickly because grandma died while I was there in the hospital and she wanted to be there for the funeral and that next day I was alone and alone but then the following day there at the door 
Though I couldn't see him, I heard my dad's voice. Hi, Dave. Oh. Oh, it felt so good. <laughs> I remember one other time being in the hospital. Again, surgery. This is when I was in college. And, and I had eye surgery once again. And I was just waking up. And I just, oh. And I felt so alone. And I heard Professor Gebauer's voice. I thought, what? That professor? I don't like him. He's so difficult. But he took time out to come to me. Oh, wow. It made me feel so good that he came to be with me. Yeah, but sometimes you just want to be left alone. I mean, a couple of years ago, I had a pretty major surgery. And the next day, I was exhausted. And I was told, you need a blood transfusion. I don't, I just want to sleep. I just want to be left alone so the nurse said well i have to stay with you for the next 15 minutes to make sure that your body doesn't react badly to the blood um so she did and 15 minutes later she said all right you're fine you can sleep all you want to and i felt so happy knowing i wasn't going to be bugged for a while and i could Mm. be just left alone well a few hours later three of my dear friends called to check on how I was doing. And as much as I love these three friends, I had to say, I'm sorry, guys. I can't talk. I just want to sleep. I just want to be alone. Chapter 3. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Huh. Four he friends, said, three friends sitting there with May him. the and day of my birth perish. Born. And the night, it was said, a boy is born. That day, may it turn to darkness and it's may God He's above not care about it. And describing the may day no that light he was shine born. upon it. He never cursed may God, darkness though. darkness and deep shadow claim it. Once more, what a description! May a cloud settle over it, may blackness overwhelm its light. That night, may thick darkness seize it, may it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. He really wants to erase that may day. That he night was be born. Barren. Oh my God! May no shouts of joy be heard hmm. in it. Wonder why he doesn't want to be may born. May those who are ah, who curse days. I Curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Hmm. Why did I not perish at birth Ah. and die? As I came from the womb, why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? Here we have the reason why he For wanted now, to curse the day. I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep. He'd be and at, at rest, peace with and kings rest. and counselors of the he earth. He had not been born, or if during birth he would have died. Again, places he'd be in now lying death. in ruins. 
and it with rulers the who had of gold, all of those who, have who died. filled their houses He'd like with to silver. Be with them. Or why was I not hidden in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from their turmoil, and the weary are at rest. Again, the rest, the weary, the rest, everything is still when you are dead. That's what he wishes. Oh, if I could only be dead. The small and the great are there. Many people say that. And the slaves freed from his master. Those who are in deep, deep despair and depression. To those in misery. And life to the bitter of soul. Those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than for hidden treasures, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? The ultimate question of this chapter, why is life given comes to me by instead of food? God? My groans pour out like water. Describing in still more words his sufferings of the life he has right What now. I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Why has God given life? But no only peace. turmoil. No quietness. Just turmoil. You know, I help out at the little church, St. Paul's, down in the inner city, uh, Cecilia. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of Tuesday night Bible study. Well, we're trying, and that one is for the kids. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get something started for senior citizens. We've noticed in the area around the church, there's either a lot of senior citizens, uh, people over 60, and their grandkids live with a lot of them, it seems. Mm. And so we're, we're trying, we've gotten the Tuesday night going and, and we're trying to do something on, on, on Friday at noons, a senior citizen gathering. And we had one and only a few people came out and we've scheduled another one for just a couple days from now and, I have gotten no takers, no leads, no nothing. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, what have you done to publicize this luncheon? Um, Say again? What have you done to advertise or publicize this to tell people about it? I mean, what do you mean? Well, I mean, have you done things that, that... that tell people, hey, we're having this get-together for senior citizens. How have you, how have you let other people know about it? Very good question. And now flipping it back to Job. As Job just sat in his misery and struggling, and then he vented, I just want to curse the day I was born. The friends just couldn't sit there, could they? Just like you... <laughs> Just couldn't no. sit there and add a 
figure out, well, what have you done? And, 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 and you're seeking to help me, right? Well, yes, of course. Absolutely. And um, um, that's exactly what Job's friends are going to try to do. We're going to find out here in the next couple chapters, we have these three friends. Each of them is going to give a, a poetic speech to Job, and then Job's going to respond. And then we have them doing it several times more. Each time, well, let's just take a look at the first one, okay. and um, let's uh, unfold, because really all three basically have the same discussion. Chapter 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied. These are one of the three friends he had. We don't know where he's from, this Temanite or something. Will you be impatient? I love this friend. Don't be impatient with me. Who can keep from speaking? Who can keep from speaking? You said so many things. You have instructed many. How you have strengthened feeble hands. He's reminding Job that Your he's been a counselor for many. Those who stumbled. He was a rich, wealthy man. And strengthened faltering knees. He helped knees. many in his richness so, but who now, were struggling. trouble has come to you, and you are discouraged. It strikes you, and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence? We'll and your touch on that piety ways, again. Your hope? It's part of his Consider argument. Consider now. Here. Who, being innocent, has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? Stop a second, Cecilia. Those, that's a key phrase here about the innocent and upright. His point being that, listen, if one is innocent, they're fine. You're not fine, so you're not innocent. Mm, okay, all right. read on. As I have observed, those who plow evil... And those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God, they're destroyed. At the blast of his anger, they perish. Okay, I'm going to stop you again, Cecilia. Again, he's just reemphasizing the fact that God's in charge. And if he doesn't like some, what something's, somebody's done, he will bring... Destruction on them. Yes. Let's now go to chapter 5. Uh, it's still his speech. Um, Eliphaz's from, speech, you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he, there's some poetic things, and, and it does a sidetrack, but I, I want to keep on the, the focus of what, because this is very poetic language that uh, they're very flowery and give a lot of description. So we move now into 5, and he picks up again this whole theme. Call, if you will. But who will answer you? To which of the holy ones will you turn? Resentment kills a fool. And in saying this, he's almost calling Job a fool. Mm. Call to God if you want. And envy slays the simple. God's going to smite you because you're in the wrong. I myself have seen a fool taking root. But suddenly his house was cursed. His children are... Far from safety. And he may have been referring to Job here himself because that's exactly what happened to his family. Slide down now to verse 17 of this chapter. Okay. Verse 17. 
Blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. Okay, you can stop there. What Eliphaz is doing here is saying, okay, Job, you screwed up. It's obvious because look what God's done to you. His, 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 that uh, wonderful, the breath of God will mm-hmm. blast him. Well, you're blasted. You don't have kids. You don't have a house. All your cattle are gone. You don't even have health. Well, you're blasted. So now if you just turn to him and repent, God is a wonderful God, a God of mercy. Repent, and he will restore you. He'll yeah. bind up your wounds. And, you know, at first, we, we were talking about this, mm-hmm. and at first I thought that these people, uh, that this guy was being self-righteous. And you said, no, I don't think so. But as I read this again, um, I see that, that what uh, Eliphaz is saying is, hey, we, we still love you even though you messed up. Mm-hmm. You really messed up, but 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 we still love you, and... And so all you got to do is is figure out what you did wrong, and you'll be in God's good graces again. Right. So, Cecilia, I am dying to know... I hope you're not dying, but okay. Go ahead. <laughs> um, who takes out the trash at your house? Uh, Brent does. He's oh. my housemate. Okay. And when does he do that? Monday nights. Monday nights. Yes. Okay. And so if it's Tuesday, you know that the trash is out because? Because Brent has taken it out on uh, Monday night. Okay. Now... If you go home today and find that Brent is lying on the floor with a broken leg, then what? Uh, Well, obviously, I would take him to the hospital. Okay. And then, being that he's in the hospital on Tuesday morning, the trash isn't out because? Because... I didn't take it out. Uh, actually, no. Logic would say because <laughs> Brent is in the hospital. Because Brent broke his leg. Now, I understand what you're saying. You would step in and do it because someone couldn't do it. But logic says, if this, then this. Mm. When... We find that's not, it's therefore moving back to the if clause. If Brent's in the hospital, then the trash doesn't get taken out. Therefore, I need to take it out. Or therefore, the trash is full. Correct. With that in mind now, read, and I had you open it up to this, and I'm sure you were wondering why, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
Okay, another question. Mm-hmm. I'm thirsty, and I go to a, 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 a soda machine, and I put in my 50 cents, and I hit the button. If I put in the 50 cents and hit the button, then what happens? The soda comes out. Okay. When I press the button and no soda comes out, why is that? We don't know. It's probably because the soda machine is empty. Oh, logic, though, would say you didn't put in the 50 cents. And here's Oh, I did not catch that you didn't uh-huh. push the button. Uh-huh. I mean that you didn't put in the 50 put in cents. The money. Oh. Now, with the Proverbs verse, if you give first fruits, then God will bless. Now, if you're not blessed and the barn's not full, you would take it backwards. That is because I didn't give him my first fruits. Logic would say when something isn't, Go back to the if. Just like with the soda machine, if I stand and push the button and there's no soda, then... Then you need to check and see if you put in your money. Right. Or enough money. This is the logical sequence that people so often do. The if, then, therefore. Mm. And... um, whether it be as the example of the trash, and it seemed kind of odd, well, why couldn't the trash be empty? Well, logically, if, then, therefore, but see, you're jumping, not jumping, you're making the human step, well, of course, if he can't, then I will, or maybe the machine's broken or something, mm-hmm. and yet Job's friends did not. They were of the belief, as so many people are then and today, if we give God our first food, if we worship him, if we have him first, then God is like that soda machine. We put in the quarters, we punch Mm -hmm. the button, then he'll give the can of soda. He'll give the blessings. And if the blessings aren't there, therefore, you have to conclude you didn't, Put in the 50 cents, you didn't push the button. Uh, The whole thing, remember we talked about this a week or two ago, about if you have enough faith, then you will be healed. And that's just not the way it works. Correct. But that's how we often view life, especially when it comes to our circumstances, because we tie the circumstances greatly to God. Now, it is absolutely true. When we do pray, no, Let's rephrase it. It is absolutely true. When our barns are full, it's because God gave it. Mm-hmm. But that's true whether you are a saint or a sinner. There's a Bible verse in Matthew chapter 5. God sends the rain and the sunshine on the just and the unjust alike. It isn't dependent upon what we do for him. He just is fair and gives it to us all. But we too often want to connect our earthly circumstances to the causality of the if-then dilemma. Mm. That's what Job's friend was doing. Beginning chapter 6. Job replied, If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on a scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. 
No wonder my words have been impetuous. All right. Job is going on again about his almost a pity party here again. Oh, woe was me. Skip down to verse 24. He finally gets around after all of his miseries again. Okay. To respond to his uh, friend's speech. Teach me, and I will be quiet. Show me where I've been wrong. And really, that's enough. Job is saying, I've not done any wrong to be corrected. I am righteous. You're saying just because you see me having nothing, you're concluding I've done something wrong. I know that I have a sinful heart, but I have not done wrong. All right, you just answered my question. I was going to say, does Job think he hasn't sinned at all? No. Oh, no. He knows he has, but not to bring this upon him. And we're going to find that... In the next speeches coming up, both by uh, um, Eliphaz again, and then who are the other two friends? Bildad and um, and Zophar. That the same thing will happen, that all of these friends are saying, Job, you did something wrong. Confess it, will you? And Job's saying, no, I haven't. I would if I did, but I haven't. You are missing it. This is why I've got a frustration and anger and a beef with God. Oh, if I could only talk to God. But for more, I think you're going to have to come back next week for the next lesson to hear if he talks to God and what he says to God. And how he says it. Until then... um, Don't forget to write us. Please, at... Info. I-N-F-O. At not-alone. Dot. N-E-T. And, of course, you can always search us out on uh, Facebook. It's Room 4216. Or Dave Andrus. Mm-hmm. Until next week. We, we are, are not, not alone. alone. Our thanks to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn, our interlude musicians, and to Kathy Kirschman for her portrayal of Satan.